Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The environment that they built is to me perfect. I think it's my favorite horror game, movie, anything. It is my favorite horror release of all time. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are traveling to a scary town called Silent Hill where they play video games of monsters and gray children. And a church bell rings in the distance. (laughs) Yes, it does. That's my understanding. Okay, well then we've got a long way to go. (laughs) Because Silent Hill seems to be many things. I think for most people out there, Silent Hill is a video game franchise um, that started back on the original PlayStation alongside Resident Evil as Mm -hmm. one of the first... Uh, survival horror video games. But like the Resident Evil franchise and like a lot of video game franchises, it also dipped into movies. There are two Silent Hill films out there. Um, And in the modern era, Silent Hill is responsible for effectively influencing like countless indie video game designers and even larger companies to to try to tap into some of the, the psychological horror that Silent Hill popularized yeah that seemed to be from what i read what kind of set it apart that it was more like atmospheric and psychological and less blowing heads off uh, yeah a thousand percent. Like, it does seem like there were heads blown off yes but there was the addition of the atmosphere yeah i think this is going to be interesting number one we here on guide to the unknown it's not like we always talk about video games Ooh. or anything like that and i know for a lot of people video games are a kind of media that they specifically don't engage in. You're not going to hear of anybody that doesn't watch movies, you know, or doesn't watch TV shows, but there are so many people that are, um, the challenge of having to pick up a video game controller and deal with two joysticks and all these buttons. And, Oh my God, it's going to take 30 hours to play this game. I could sit down and watch a 90 minute movie and just be done with it. There's Mm -hmm. a, a high barrier for entry cost is one too. Right, like yes. you have to buy each individual video game for like sixty bucks now, seventy some of them. Yeah, they're like a million dollars. I know it's all super duper expensive, and so for that reason, they're usually kept at arm's length from most people. But honestly, even while I consider myself a quote unquote gamer, I don't play like you know new games as they come out all the time or anything. And my personal history with Silent Hill is basically that. I was aware of it as a scary game. And -hmm. for the longest time, I thought that it was a knockoff of the Resident Evil games, which are essentially, you know, there's a whole lot of of, um, genetic engineering, complex storytelling stuff going on where people are making uh, biohazard weapons and stuff like that, whatever. But it's a zombie game, you know? Right. It's basically just like playing a Dawn of the Dead game game where you're fighting off hordes of zombies and i knew silent hill was weirder it wasn't as cut and dry as being able to say oh it's it's you know um uh supreme 
police officer people, you know, special squad of police officers versus zombies. You can't mm-hmm. say that about Silent Hill. It's about a town. It's about a fictitious town that is continually coated in fog and bizarre human-shaped monsters might come out of that fog, but they all look a little wrong. Sometimes yeah. their arms are fused to their torsos. Um, many of them don't have faces. They're a lot more, um, I want to say, demonic. Certainly the game will try to impart on the players that the story of this series is about a cult and demons mm-hmm. and stuff. But to me, they always played as odd, hard to pin down um, misshapings and corruptions of humans in ways that make me think of how, like, you know, a common form of a nightmare is your teeth falling out of your head. A lot yeah. of people have that nightmare. It's just why we ha- why is that the go-to nightmare for people who are um, dealing with a lack of confidence or something like that? Silent Hill is about um, embodying uh, darker parts of our psychology and making us fight them. And that's mm-hmm. so much more complicated to explain. Um, maybe that's why it didn't take off quite as well as Resident Evil ever did. And maybe that is going to become complicated for us to parse out in this episode. But all of that set up, all of that um, is to say I'm really excited about talking about Silent Hill. And uh, for anybody out there that doesn't play video games or is daunted by them, um, at least maybe we're going to get to uh, to talk to you all out there and tell you what Silent Hill has been up to uh, mm-hmm. that you may not have seen. Right, we can give you kind of the Cliff's Notes version of the story and the playthrough of it. Yep. And also, there are like a million great playthroughs of it on YouTube. It's amazing. I, I leaned extremely heavily, um, not on a playthrough, but on kind of a like a walkthrough of the story from a YouTube station called... Uh, station. YouTube station <laughs> reporting. <laughs> a YouTube channel called The Leaderboard. It was so super helpful. Cool. Um, so maybe check that out. But before we get into Silent Hill, why don't we talk about the real life place that was partial inspiration for it? Centralia, Pennsylvania. Mm. So, Will, what do you know about Centralia? What do uh, you think you know? Exactly. Yeah, just about nothing. Centralia, yeah. Pennsylvania, I believe, has a coal fire burning underground. And it has resulted in people needing to flee the town. And so it is an abandoned, it's a ghost town. It's an actual ghost town that I've honestly always wanted to drive to. But that's really, I think, all I know. Yeah, I mean, you basically know the broad strokes of it. That is all completely correct. But there's definitely a little bit more to it. Um, Something that I did not know about whatsoever was something called the Centralia Curse. Oh. And I found out about this from a documentary called Centralia, Pennsylvania's Lost Town. And you can find that if you go to CentraliaPALostTown.com. My friend Sarah actually told me about this, like, I guess a few weeks ago, because I know that I said to her, oh, we're actually going to be doing a Silent Hill episode soon, so I'll check that out. And it came in very handy. Wow. Um, so you can rent it on Vimeo. I think it was six ninety five. Uh. Great. And it was really, really interesting. So here is the curse. And it's questionable whether this is really responsible for what went down. Sure. It's like a legend, basically. Yeah, of yeah. course. So they say that there's a story about the first Catholic priest in Centralia 
whose, fa- whose name was Father Daniel Ignatius McDermott, who placed a curse on Centralia in 1869. David McDermott? Dermot Mulrooney? What? Dermot McDougal. <laughs> Dermot McDougal. Um, so the founder of Centralia, Alexander Ray, was murdered by a gang. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before. I certainly haven't. Called the Molly Maguires. That's a gang name? Yes. There is a movie called The Molly Maguires starring Sean Connery from 1970. The Molly Maguires were specifically an Irish gang of coal miners in Pennsylvania. An Irish gang, eh? I've never heard of this before in my life. Looks like we've got a canary in the coal mine, boys. (laughs) And that canary's name was Alexander Ray, the founder of Centralia. So he was murdered by the Molly Maguires. He was shot to death in his horse and buggy. Father McDermott was denouncing from the pulpit whoever did it, knowing that whoever it was was probably part of his parish. And then later on, he was assaulted in the cemetery. Oh. The story goes that Father McDermott then staggered back to the church, rang the church bell, and cursed the Mollies and cursed the town, saying there would come a day when only the church remained standing. <laughs> and as it is in, you know, I think the movie Silent Hill, if not the game, I think in the game too, there is just a church in Centralia now, pretty much. I mean, they're... There's a very, very, very small population who lives there now. There are 11 residents in Centralia today, and it's not even technically a town anymore. It doesn't have a zip code. Um, The people who live there are just like really standing their ground. It's very interesting to me, and they must have to get their mail delivered to a nearby P.O. box or to family or something like that. Kudos to them. I I can't, you know, I I don't know what that that. Life I can't imagine life. that level of conviction. I know. Allie and I did um, earlier this year with COVID and everything, we decided to to take a road trip and go find some abandoned places. And we went to a ghost town. And when we got there, there was like, there was a bar. There was like a, uh, a trendy sort of bar that was there. And I got the impression that maybe like a handful of people ever went there, but they just had their own thing going. Maybe yeah. that's sort of what it's like in Centralia, where it's like a few people just holding on. Yep. Uh, making the town theirs, which is very interesting to me. Me too. The The documentary that I watched is definitely, it, it's not like, ooh, Centralia, spooky place documentary. It's definitely made by people who lived there, kind of for people who lived there. It's yeah. really a lot about the local community and how everything went down and the problems they had with like local government. Um, it's very interesting, but it also showed me that people who lived in Centralia like felt really, really attached to it. And so I guess the remaining people feel that way as well. Uh, so it was very interesting. Yeah. So the story of that curse started like really kicking up and being talked a lot about in the eighties when the town was starting to really shut down. And I'll, I'll go into why that was. I think we're jumping ahead a little bit. Um, but when the town was really starting to dwindle in numbers, people were like, well, that curse, remember this, this is probably the result of it. But Parts of the story are debunked outright. The church bell that Father McDermott is said to have kind of like crawled his way to and wrong wasn't installed into a few years after the events. Oh. Like, um, you know, the the founder getting murdered and him getting attacked. Um, The church bell wasn't even installed until after McDermott was transferred away. And 
it's more just kind of of interest rather than debunking the story. But the, the one church that is still standing in Centralia isn't even the Catholic church that that dude was the priest of. It's oh. a Ukrainian Orthodox church across the way. Wow. Okay. But still a very good story. It's very interesting. A wonderful story. I love the idea of cursing an entire town, which today is abandoned. Great. Great story. Yeah, fantastic. Tell with, it at a party. One thing that will still be standing. Okay. The church. Yeah, exactly. It's the wrong church that's still standing, but whatever. Yeah. Technicality, so, there's a church standing. We got it. The curse is definitely real. It's cool. Yeah. Uh so how this fire even started is crazy to me. And it is indeed still burning underground. In 1962, they were using a pit by the Odd Fellow Cemetery to clean up the area before Labor Day weekend which meant dumping and burning the trash in the area. And they were supposed, they were using a pit that was above like a mine shaft with a very rich, uh, rich main of coal underneath it. Okay. Like underneath Centralia, which is like these really, really dense coal mines. So at one point they were living large because they just happened to be founded on top of like a gold mine, essentially. Um, so they were supposed to close up the hole that led to that labyrinth of mines underneath the town with non-combustible material so that if a fire started while they were lighting up all this trash, it wouldn't spread through underneath the ground. Yeah. Like you're looking at um, an ant farm or something. And they did close some of those holes, but not all of them. And so there was an exposed coal vein in one of the areas that the garbage was being dumped and it, it ignited and spread underground. So apparently this is a thing that happens sometimes. Like underground mine fires aren't super duper uncommon, but they're usually taken care of within a few days. And a combo of mistakes led this fire to spread and spread and spread and just never be put out. So first of all, the firefighters took off Labor Day weekend oh. rather than fight the fire that was going on wait, wait, wait. as in they knew it, that it was burning and they yes, chose not to i i think that's what i understood from the wow. thing because it was underground it's not like it was like burning buildings down stuff like that so obviously it's a problem but i guess we'll get to it wow um also a mine inspector from the state early on in this problem when they did start really fighting it in earnest wanted to uh, have trenches dug on each side of the fires. And the local miners who kind of got the way this network of tunnels worked told them it was a bad idea and they were it was just going to cause everything to cave in. But because this dude was from the state, they lost. They did dig trenches in on either side and the fire went down 300 feet more. Oh, my God. Um, they also, the town kept asking for grants and help to put it out. But those grants kept getting put off and or like the efforts and ideas just didn't work because it was such a too many cook situation. Like people from different branches of government were trying different things to put it out because this went on obviously forever. It's still going on and the results would vary. Um, and so it made the state of the fire underground fluctuate wildly. So like at one point, somebody had an idea to leave one of the mine holes open to act as a vent. Um and another person came in and said, no, that's probably just feeding oxygen to right. the fire underground. Let's close it, which made sense to me when I was watching the documentary. I was like, good idea. But when they closed it, it just made the fire flare wildly oh. underground because it didn't have that vent and outlets. Oh, no. Um, 
a lot of people who lived there said that the mine fire wasn't the problem. It was the government reaction to the mine fire. And that's like a big focus of the movie. And actually the tagline of the movie, if you look at the poster or like the DVD cover is the nine most terrifying words in the English language. I'm from the government. <laughs> Why <don't> say it <laughs> like that? <laughs> I'm from the government. <laughs> I'm from the government. I'm here to help Ronald Reagan. Oh, boy. So that's like the thesis statement of yeah. the movie a little bit. Um, but anyway, back to what was going on down there at the time that led it to be abandoned. Sinkholes were appearing all over the place in town just randomly because fire was brewing from within. Like, imagine like a souffle. It gets hot in there. All right. And then you it got drops. Me. Yeah. All I'm, right. I'm imagining that. I can imagine a souffle. That sounds pretty so, good. All right. So a 12-year-old boy fell into one of the holes. They were able to get him out. But this started happening all the time where people were, like, falling into sinkholes all over the place. Oh, God. So the first ones to abandon um, were two families who had to move away because toxic gas was seeping into their homes. And then more and more people started to leave from government buyouts because they, they were just like, this is entirely not safe. They... Uh, like at one point they had put $7 million into trying to stop the fire overall until they put together an estimate for how much it would cost to really and truly once and for all theoretically stop it. And they realized it was going to cost half a billion dollars. (laughs) So the government realized it would be less expensive to buy out existing residents, just level their homes and not have anybody live there than to try to solve this problem. That's crazy. It's completely insane. And the, t- the, um, the highway running into the town is route 61. So that's, what's the famous graffiti highway. That is this long. Str- Do you not know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know. It's what you, I bet if you saw it, like, I think it's like the image that pops to mind often. If you think of Centralia, it's this highway that eventually, because of what was going under on underground, started to crack open like the earth was just cracking open so it has these cracks leaking smoke coming up out of this highway and people started visiting it all the time because it was this weird curiosity it's actually at the time the documentary was made which i think was 2017 uh centralia is the sixth most active tourist spot in all of pennsylvania wow because it's just so interesting and weird that this is going on and people started going to route 61 this highway that nobody travels on it's abandoned it has cracks in the highway with smoke coming up from underneath and people started leaving graffiti there and so now it's like super duper graffitied over which the locals really don't like and it's known as the graffiti highway wow and the thing about it is that um the cracks leaking toxic smoke were blowing over to a nearby town called Burnsville. And so that town also had to close down. Oh, so there are two ghost towns. Yes. And I was thinking in silent Hill one, which I'll transition into in just a sec that um, the main character in silent Hill one, the video game, Henry meets a cop who's from a nearby town that started with a B. I'm trying to find it. Rams. And um, br- yes. And I was wondering if that at all was like named in homage to Burnsville. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that some of the stuff. Also, that it's I've- called Burnsville, which is terrible irony. Yeah, I know. It's horrible. irony. 
Um, yes. I've heard um, sort of uh, conflicting information that says only the original Silent Hill movie took its inspiration from Centralia, but I've seen other places say that it is the, the game as well, in which mm-hmm. case Bram's B-name, you know, neighboring city, sure. Yeah, it's it's not impossible. No. So let's roll in to Silent Hill 1, the video game, and what the storyline is from that. Let's. I also want to mention while we're talking about burning things, that one of our listeners, I haven't gotten to give this to you, Will, yet, but one of our listeners sent us candles oh. that are horror-themed. They're so cool, and they're from the Scent from Hell, Scent spelled S-C-E-N-T, Scent from Hell Candle Company, which makes horror-inspired candles by horror writer Christy Demeester. Oh, very cool. They're really nice. She sent us a candle that's um, called Ghostface. Huh. That's like scream theme. Sure. And one called Stickman that's Blair Witch. And I had the Stickman candle burning while I was doing a lot of research. And it was very delightful. And it was so nice for Christy to send this. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. It isn't an ad. It was a gift that I really liked. So I just wanted to say it. Thank you very much, Christy. They were a wonderful companion while I was doing this research. Hell yeah. And a and scream and burning. a Blair Witch themed? Are those yeah. is, are there two better franchises yes. to be represented for us? That's why she sent them. It was really, Wonderful. really cool and nice. So thank you very, very much. Thank you. Um, okay, so Silent Hill 1. Here is the deal with this. It came out in 1999. Uh, as we said, it's thought to be one of the best video games ever made, um, partially just because of how atmospheric it is, and that was kind of new for the time, rather than just like straight shoot 'em ups or kind of like monstery horror video games. So the story of the video game And my understanding is that the movie is pretty close to the plot line, or at least the first movie is pretty close to the plot line of this game. And then I believe Silent Hill 2 is kind of like Silent Hill 3. Yeah, the the movie Silent Hill Revelation is Silent Hill the movie too. And it basically pulls from the video game Silent Hill 3, which is very confusing to say. Uh But yes, the movie 2 picks up from the game three yes okay that's what i thought so this is going to be kind of close to the game or to to the first movie yeah so the story is that there's a guy named henry who's recently lost lost his wife and he and his daughter cheryl are driving through silent hill when he swerves to miss a girl on the road crashes loses consciousness and when he comes to his daughter is gone so then a scary silent siren wails and an evil version of the town called the other world starts to reveal itself. And he has to search for his daughter, Cheryl, while dealing with monster ghosts who are called the gray children and things there are just wrong. Like it's snowing out of season. Right. And there's just mist and fog everywhere. Um, he meets a detective whose name is Sybil Bennett from that nearby town who gives him a gun, which is very useful because they're like monsters everywhere. So now in the video game, he has a means of defending himself. And he also runs into an occultist named Dahlia who gives him a charm called the Floros, which is meant back or meant to beat back the darkness in the town. So he's holding on to that. At one point, he heads to the hospital where he meets a Dr. Kaufman who freaks out when Harry picks up a mysterious red vial. So as Harry battles his way through town, he realizes the darkness in town leaves it divided with this nightmarish version called the Otherworld. Uh, Dahlia tells him that the girl that he swerved to avoid hitting is a demon and that they're responsible for all of this kind of evil stuff going on. 
and he has to stop her or his daughter Cheryl will die. He is able to catch her and incapacitate this little girl demon thing using the fluoros that Dahlia gave him. But then Dahlia tells him, he, 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 she tricked him into catching that little girl. And that that little girl is kind of like the spirit ghost of her daughter, Alyssa. It turns out that seven years ago, Dahlia conducted a ritual with the cult she's part of called the Order, trying to sacrifice Alyssa to bring about the cult's god. But instead, Alyssa's soul was split. And it turns out that Cheryl, Henry's daughter, was her other half. And Alyssa summoned her to Silent Hill so that they could become whole. And then she, they could kill themselves, which prevents the birth of that god to that order cult because it's evil and it's not good. But since they're not able to carry this out because Dahlia is around and she's preventing it, the god does begin to manifest. It's like all happening until Dr. Kaufman, who's changed his mind, throws that red vial which it turns out contains basically demon poison called aglophotis onto them. No? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sounds sounds like a mess. (laughs) Yeah. Do you mean a literal mess because he's throwing a vial of red goo or just Uh, a messy story? A messy story. I find it to be cumbersome. I completely... William, I have to tell you, I'm very glad that you've enjoyed the Silent Hill build-up. You've excited to talk about this. I found this a headache and a half. I knew it. I knew it before. I know you said that to me and you were absolutely right. Yeah. But like, like two days ago I was, I was doing some of my research and I was like, Silent Hill turned out to not quite be what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. All these, everything that I said at the top of the show is still true about yeah. like, it's sort of like place in horror history and how it's influenced a million people. Um, my own interactions with the Silent Hill game franchise is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. And what I've played, I have not only enjoyed, but loved. Yeah, so, it sounds like you said Silent Hill 2 in particular. You really, really liked playing, I think, Silent, right? Yes. Silent Hill 2, which um, I was always aware of as supposedly a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I have been playing it, and Kristen, it might just be a masterpiece. I think it is yeah. incredible. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do, nothing to do with all of this cult summoning a god and splitting a child into two different beings. It's a totally standalone story that doesn't really have anything to do with what you just described. And I think that that is a good thing. I think I know. I mean, we'll get to in a second, but I was thrown by that when I started looking to Silent Hill 2. I was like, oh, this is a series. I assumed that they all kind of followed the same storyline, but yeah. I think thankfully they don't. Like what you just described about this, the cult, the order, and how Alessa's spirit was broken into two, and they're trying to summon the two different girls to merge them to bring about the god. Like, did that interest you at all? No, I, it did. That's what I'm saying. It this took. It probably took a long time to research, partially because I wasn't absorbing. Oh yeah. Stuff like I was first reading about it online, but then I decided to jump to that YouTube channel, the Leaderboard, uh-huh. to help me understand what I was reading and then I was looking up playthroughs, which like, isn't something I normally do a lot anyway. So that also just had me like, it was just like a totally different way of researching this. And I also found what I was researching cumbersome is a good word. I was just like, what happens? And then this happens. And then what it's, it's very hard for any of it to really stick. 
I, yeah, yeah, it was not sticking. I felt very outside of this. Yeah, I think the games themselves um, do a really good job of being disorienting. And mm-hmm. like even the fact that you've, they've got you playing characters that are walking through endless fog. You can't really see that far ahead of you. Some of that was just ingenious design at the time because they didn't have the graphical horsepower to ha- to let you look down a long city street. So they were like, well, most games, like there's pop-in where the graphics literally just aren't there. And then the closer you get, they load in. And so they appear to sort of just like pop into place as you come close to them. What if we just made this entire environment foggy? Then, yeah. then the lack of graphics would actually be part of the environment. And that's right. It works in its favor. It's genius, but it, it also has the effect of making you feel sort of foggy. And mm-hmm. when you're navigating that, and the story is full of twists and turns that don't make logical sense, it right. it gave me the effect anyway of like reading about it or playing some of it, and then turning it off and and like forgetting everything I saw. <laughs> like I can't remember it. I know it was it was so. <laughs> Like I wanted to pick it up and put it down because I found it overwhelming. Yeah. But then when I would come back to it, I like didn't understand at all. Yeah. What I had been talking about. So whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's just it's the storyline is extremely dense. Yeah. It seems like there are kind of too many characters. Oh yeah. Or something like I I tried to include everybody in these summaries because I was like, well, what if this rando comes back in something that Will talks about and I didn't address it? Um, it's just it's. There's just like a whole lot. No. And so there's. Yeah, I can even assuage any of that fear. Almost everything that I have to say is completely disconnected from what you're talking about here. Um, <laughs> at a certain point, all of these games are standalone, they don't really connect to each other that much. That was a question I was going to have whether Silent Two was uh, Silent Hill Two was an outlier for being a standalone story, or whether that ends up being the norm and it turns into kind of like an anthology game. That is correct. Silent Hill Two, I think, was so well done. And such mm-hmm. a repeatable format that they just started making Silent Hill 2 the 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 standard for the franchise. Yeah. And so every new game is its own standalone story by and large now. Aside yeah, from exactly. one and three, which do sort of dovetail into each other. Yes. Okay, so let's finish up what happens in one. Um okay, so where we just left off that Dr. Kaufman threw that vial of uh Agloophotus. It's probably pronounced in a way that sounds more smooth than that. Um, but he does still get dragged to hell for his dirty deeds because he was part of the order. It was like he had a last minute like change of heart. Mm, Doctor Dirty, child, whatever. Exactly. Um, so he throws it when the demon is partially formed. It's already kind of started making its way, and then Harry defeats it as the final boss. After it kills Dahlia, of course. So that bad guy is defeated by the very demon that she was creating. Huh. Um, there are multiple endings in the games that you can access depending on your actions throughout the games. I'm just going to go with the ones that the leaderboards videos decide to include in their wrap up of the games. I have to say, again, I, I keep referencing it, but the Silent Hill video that'll be linked in the show notes from the leaderboard is so real. It's really cool. It's like a timeline of all the Silent Hill game events, and it's really comprehensive, and I totally recommend it. And what he decided to include was the ending where Alyssa gives Harry a new baby yep. that she somehow like forms and he escapes with it as flames engulf Alyssa. Yeah. I believe so that now, is the considered to be the canon ending. 
Okay, um, so maybe he's kind of including the canon endings maybe. rather than the other. Ones. I do want to throw out there that um, Silent Hill early on, uh, among all of their potential endings, which like there's a good ending, a bad ending, whatever, they would always mm-hmm. throw in a joke ending where you discover that everything that's been happening in the game is a dog sitting yes. at like a control table pushing buttons with its nose or aliens that abduct you at the end, like just like a totally off the wall, ridiculous possible ending, which I think is a fun thing to do. I did too. He mentioned that too. He threw up like the dog thing. Yeah. Okay. So now here is the, the storyline of silent Hill too. So it's 10 years later, they're unconnected, but still, and a character named James has received a letter from his dead question mark wife, Mary. He had always told her that they would return to silent Hill because it was their special place. And so he goes there looking for her where he meets somebody named Angela who says that the town is in danger and she's looking for her mother. And the town is indeed swarmed with monsters, so that sounds about right. Then James meets a little girl named Laura, who tells him he never really loved his wife. And, like, how would she know this? How does she even know Mary? As well as a puking dude named Eddie. (laughs) He also meets a woman named Maria, who looks a lot like his wife Mary. And they make their way around together, finally coming across Eddie and Laura together in a bowling alley. It seems like a weird scenario, so they decide to keep an eye on Laura, and they follow her to a scary hospital where Maria gets tired all of a sudden and needs to take a rest, and Laura tricks James into going to a scary room of hanging corpses. He makes it through that, but now he's in the other world where Maria is killed in front of him. He then makes his way to the historical society in town where Maria is somehow alive again until, oops, she's murdered in front of him again. He also learns more about the mysterious Angela and Eddie. Angela killed her abusive father in self-defense years ago, and Eddie Eddie was bullied for years, and that's why he reacts violently to any provocation now. So these people, William, don't come up for you at all. No, 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 no. Okay, you guys can forget I even said about anything about Angela and Eddie. They don't really matter to the story. I, I think that they <laughs> they serve the overall metaphor of this game's story, where it's people that have suffered trauma. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form, all congregating in Silent Hill and questioning their their sanity and trying to come to terms with what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see that with James right now. James has to kill Eddie in self-defense, and he's really distraught by this, but it's actually not the first time he's killed someone. When he goes back to his hotel room, he watches a tape that shows us that he actually killed his wife, Mary, who is terminally, terminally ill out of either mercy or selfishness or some sort of combo of the both uh, of both Laura, that little girl freaks out because Mary had promised to adopt her and she bounces and runs away. And the hotel starts to burn around James. Maria is alive, but then she's killed again because obviously Maria is like a manifestation of James's grief and guilt that forces him to relive what he did over and over again. He runs up to the roof of the hotel it's burning and he sees his wife yet again until she transforms into the final boss of the game and he has to beat her and leave his guilt behind as well as the town. Now, this conceptually, did this do anything for you? It, yeah, I, uh, you know, you saying the thing about Angela and Eddie being other people who have unresolved trauma makes me like it more. I definitely was just like, why am I keeping track of Eddie and Laura eating pizza? Right. Yeah. I'll talk um, like, I, I don't really understand. But I, like I said, I didn't know what was going to be in the games you covered. So I was like, I guess I should include that just in case 
it sure. comes up later. So at, at first I felt like it was just like, there was a cool central story about James and Maria that I was interested in. And I was just like, what is this other stuff? But of course it's not like a book I'm reading. It's a video game. So mm-hmm. I understand why there has to be other stuff that maybe seems extraneous to me, but like pads out the game and gives you something to do as a player. But you saying what I just said, that it's kind of a bunch of different people dealing with grief and trauma um, makes it more interesting to me. But I did like James's story and also the thing of Maria being sort of like an avatar for Mary and getting killed over and over again. Yeah, it's very um, it's very David Lynch. It's very yeah. um, it's a couple of things, right? In Twin Peaks, Laura Palmer is dead. And then we meet her cousin, Maddie Ferguson, who looks exactly like Laura mm-hmm. Palmer. And we yeah, see yeah, similar yeah, yeah. events happen to her. Um, it's very Lost Highway, a David Lynch movie where um, Bill Pullman is dealing with identity issues and caught in this loop where people are changing identity constantly and he's trying to come to terms with who he is and what he's mm-hmm. done. It's all this unreliable narrator filmmaking that I yep. feel like is in Silent Hill 2. And it might be the first time that I've ever seen a video game tackle those themes and do it so effectively. Yeah, um, I was definitely surprised that that's what it was about. Yeah, I was aware personally of the sort of legacy of Silent Hill 2, but I had never personally played it. I'd watched a few friends play it and didn't pick it up myself. I, I love video games, obviously. Most of them just really stress me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually recently um, live streamed four hours because I, quite frankly, didn't want to stop playing. Hey, you're into it. Because I, I enjoyed it so much. But so I streamed the first four hours of Silent Hill 2. If anyone wants to watch it, it's on YouTube.com slash TalkBomb. But like the entire time, you basically, you'll get to see the game itself, but you'll also see me going like, oh my God, oh, oh, so this is incredible. Understood, got it. Like yeah. the entire mood of that game is just full of dread and and confusion, but in a really good, positive way. It is one of the most cinematic and emotionally connected games I've ever experienced. That's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, it, it looked really cool. Like I popped into your playthrough when I was um, when I was researching. I saw some others. Like it seems it seems like a very cool game. Yeah. So now let's round out my section with the plot of Silent Hill Three from the year two thousand. So this connects back to Silent Hill One. It's like a sequel to that. And the baby from Silent Hill 1 that was, like, conjured up by Alessa is now named Heather. And she falls asleep at the mall only to wake up in a dream with a roller, co- a roller coaster barreling toward her. It hits her. She wakes back up in the mall. And she's walking around. And there's a detective named Douglas who's following her and tells her that he was sent to get her since she's the spawn of Alessa. And then the mall, like, morphs kind of otherworldy into scary monsters for her to fight. She also meets a priestess from the order named Claudia, who says they need Heather in order to get to paradise. So Heather fights more monsters on the way back home to just get home and be with her dad, Henry, who was the you know protagonist from the first game. And she finds out that her father has been murdered by Claudia. Claudia is pissed that Henry, uh, Harry, no, what did I, it's Henry, which one is it? I wrote Harry and Henry. It's Henry, right? I, uh, Her- Mason, right? Harry Mason? Ah, crap. Or Henry Let me go back Mason? to my notes from the top henry okay okay uh so yeah claudia was pissed that henry messed up the order's plans back in the day and heather swears revenge on claudia now it turns out that that detective who was sent to get heather in the first place 
is just a hired hand. He's like not part of the order and he's not super into it. And he agrees to take Heather to Silent Hill in his car to find Claudia. Um, when she gets there, she learns that Claudia is in a church, but in order to get to it, she has to venture through the haunted amusement park from her nightmare earlier that had that thing barreling toward her. And she has to jump out of the way of the roller coaster when it comes in order to kind of get through this and mm. get to Claudia. And there's also a part of the game that takes place on a carousel that's apparently very important in the first game. So it's like a call back to that. So they finally face off. And it's Claudia's plan to use Heather to bring about the birth of the Order's God that was thwarted all those years ago. But Heather realizes that the necklace that her dad gave her that she's been wearing for all these years has a vial of that anti-demon goo from the first game. And so she swallows it to prevent the birth of this demon thing. Because when they say birth, like they don't mean like biological, like pregnancy birth thing. It's like, It'll just like bubble up from you or something. Yeah, just like create to, it from your body. Right. Yeah. Bring into this world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she swallows it to prevent that birth. So then she barfs up a half formed demon and then Claudia eats it. What? Claudia then births the demon, dies in childbirth, I guess you would say. I mean, she's really just like splitting open and there's a demon there, I guess, kind of. Yeah. And then Heather has to defeat that demon as the final boss. Oh. You do that, she leaves Silent Hill, and she now is embracing a new name. She's calling herself Cheryl because Uh that was the name of the dad's daughter who was the half of the child from the first game. Okay. All right. So clearly trying to, like, actually doing a very trilogy thing of mm-hmm. the third entry revisiting the first to tighten yes. up the tighten up the plot threads this is something that indiana jones um did pretty effectively this is something that die hard does that scream does um, yes. usually the second entry in a trilogy is the experimentational entry right. where they try something a little bit different Right, um, now we're at the end of we're doing a trilogy, so now we have to tie this all up. So let's tie it all together. And ironically, most trilogies, like when I think about Indiana Jones and how he fights Nazis for some sort of a you know Judeo-Christian artifact in the first and third, in the second, it's like a way darker, weirder story where he like goes to India and there's a bunch of like racist humor about what people eat at Pancot Palace and all the weird, like I hate it. Yeah. I just don't like it. And then, like, Die Hard 2. How can the same thing happen to the same guy two Christmases in a row? It's like, now he's at an... It's the darndest. It's the darndest. But then in the third one, it gets back to, like, oh, this is the brother of the guy that you fought in the original movie. Mm -hmm. And it has the the proper mix of comedy and action. And it feels better now. It's pretty tight. Usually, I don't like the second entry. Yeah. In Silent Hill... It's a common thing. In Silent Hill, so far, it's the only one that I really like. Um, I feel like like Silent Hill Two is such like a standalone story of one person figuring out their their psychological hangups, mm-hmm. um, and the other two are convoluted stories about rebirthing a god. Um, yeah, they're the majority. They're like what you would say at this point that Silent Hill is about. But still, right, because the movies follow that kind of plot line. Yeah, that's true. Like like it sort of is what the 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 franchise is built on. But I like the outlier so much better. Yeah. Then I like yeah. the cult stuff. Um, I definitely do too. 
So I'm going to talk now about a, a bunch of like weirdo uh, trippy things. I'm going to talk about the movies. I'm going to talk about the remaining games. There are a bunch mm-hmm. of them, and I'm not going to go into uh, uh, agonizing detail about mm-hmm. most of them. Um, but I do have a lot to say about Silent Hill. And um, I have a lot to say about my own interpretation of Silent Hill, honestly, more so than what um, was actually uh, put out there necessarily. But Oh, excellent. But before we do that, Kristen, we need to tell everybody out there listening about Debbie Draws Funny. That's right. Yeah. DebbieDrawsFunny.com carries funny and quirky greeting cards, posters, and vinyl stickers. That's right. And they're heavily inspired by Debbie's weird sense of humor and love for current pop culture and the 80s and 90s. There is a lot of Seinfeld inventory over there. (laughs) And if you listen to the show regularly, you know that that is one of Will and my favorite pop culture creations of all time. Oh yeah. And there are also ghost adventure stickers that are totally sweet. There is a Zach Bagan sticker. There's an Aaron Goodwin sticker. And by that, I mean, it is of their faces. And then it has like regular catchphrases that they use around their heads. There's also like a little stick figure man from the uh, SLS cameras that you see on ghost shows. Oh, I didn't Um, see the stick figure man. Yes. That's brilliant. Yes, they're completely awesome. Um, you can find Debbie Draws Funny stationary products online at DebbieDrawsFunny.com. Uh, that's D-E-B-B-I-E, DrawsFunny.com. And in almost 300 brick and mortar stores across the U.S. and Canada. Yes. So Debbie's designs have been featured all over the place. They've been in the New York Times, mm. BuzzFeed, The Huffington Post, Glamour, Real Simple, Pop Sugar, Cleveland Scene, Time Out New York, Bored Panda, Cool Mom Picks, The Bump, and a ton of blogs. Her work is really, really cool. It's really, really distinctive. And she has all kinds of stuff. Like her, we just talked about her stickers, and those are really awesome. But I've also bought her cards before. I gave my mom a Mother's Day card from DebbieDrawsFunny.com that she absolutely loved, Um, especially right now with the holidays coming up. And the fact that a yeah. lot of us are kind of apart, they're they're very like day brightening, funny, colorful, cute items that yeah. I feel there, like everybody would love. There's like an energy to to her art style that I find That's to a be good way to put it. Yeah, like it, even the fonts she uses mm-hmm. have like a, an energy to them. Yeah. Yes, yeah, they're they're like real. They're severely enjoyable. They're joyous. They're joyful. <laughs> They're severely enjoyable. And Debbie is a listener. Yeah. She is a longtime patron of God's the Unknown. Mm-hmm. She's a really, really cool person. She's somebody whose work you want to check out and you want to support. Yeah. And uh, all of you listening right now, you can get 20% off your order at DebbieDrawsFunny.com by using the promo code GTTUPOD. That's right. And I would also recommend following Debbie on Instagram at DebbieDrawsFunny so you can see a little bit behind the scenes of her process. Sometimes she pops on and talks about it. She's just a really cool person who makes really cool things that I guarantee you will love. So definitely head over to DebbieDrawsFunny.com and get 20% off your whole order by using that promo code GTTUPOD. Yeah, say hello. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. That's Um, right. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? 
Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. So Silent Hill, the remainder of Silent Hill as a franchise, up to its untimely death and potential rebirth, I hear rumors. Um, So uh, uh, a couple of things that I want to say about um, where we're going from here. Um, You talked about Silent Hill 1, 2, and 3, all of which were made by um, Konami's Team Silent, they were called. They only made one more game before the franchise was then sort of farmed out to a bunch of other production companies who made their own versions and, you know, other Silent Hill games were released, but they didn't come from Team Silent. So I'm going to talk to you about the last game from the original team, Silent Hill 4, The Room. Now, I've also played uh, uh, some of this game because it was oddly just released on PC again for the first time in a million years. So I snapped it up immediately. Um, And uh, to me, Silent Hill is more um, about their odd storytelling than the games themselves, if that makes any sense. It makes complete sense. So um, here's what I have to say about Silent Hill for The Room. When you first boot up the game, you know, in Silent Hill 1, 2, and 3, they're third person, it's called. So you're usually seeing the character you're playing as mm-hmm. while you control them. Silent Hill 4, The Room, starts with you in first person mode. So it's you walking around this little tiny apartment building. And you are playing as a guy named Harry Henry Townsend, who has been trapped in his apartment for five days, ever since he had the nightmare. And you can walk around his apartment. You can uh, look at the the TV, which he so says. So it's POV, kind yeah, of? Like, POV. Like Doom? Yep. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and if you look at the TV and, like, you can hit a button to inspect things. Like, he'll be like, TV? I didn't have a TV. There, I used to have a record player right here. You can inspect his kitchen. He's talking about how he has a headache. And you can look through the peephole of his front door. But it's, like, it's mushed into the wall. The door is now part of the wall. There's no getting out. He's trapped inside. And this game came out, you know, a long time ago. This came out 2004. And here I am in 2020 playing this game and feeling all kinds of quarantine metaphors all over it. Um, There are certain parts of the game where um, you will find a tunnel suddenly in the wall. You'll just hear a smashing sound. And then if you go observe the bathroom right next to the toilet, there is just a carved out tunnel in the wall going off into the distance and you can choose to climb into that tunnel and then you are playing as the character still in first person wiggling your way through the tunnel to this you know the light the light at the end of the tunnel and so you're forcing yourself to go through it and even that it may be claustrophobic to be in first person going through this tight confined tunnel almost like Blair Witch 2016 when the character Lisa's going through the tunnel under Rustin Parr's house just Oh, I hate that part. The anxiety of that. When you pop out the other side, suddenly you're in sort of a classic Silent Hill perspective. You can see Henry in front of you and you can control everything that he does in sort of classic Silent Hill fashion. You do stuff out there and then something horrible happens, you wake back up and you're in the apartment again. You can walk around and it's different. It's changed. You find another tunnel, you climb through it. Then you're playing a very traditional Silent Hill level again. You complete that, you wake up back in the apartment. You explore it. It's changed a little bit. You find another tunnel. And so it's this odd loop of always being trapped inside. And maybe these sojourns through tunnels 
are hallucinations. Maybe they're dreams. Uh, who could really say? But um, for sure, exploring the apartment itself was so enjoyable to me. You can walk up to the radio and turn it on and hear a radio broadcast of something that is just completely superfluous. It's about like, yeah, a, I a, like that. a walrus giving birth or something like that. It's just weird off-kilter local news. Will, do you remember that game? It was a PC game. I played it. I think you played it. Is it Gone Home? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gone okay. Home. Okay. Yeah, it was like that, like where you were just kind of like walking through a house, like POV style. Yeah, there are there are a multitude of games these days that like indie developers are like the tools for making games, just like the tools for making movies have have reached a level where just average people can mm-hmm. can look up some online tutorials, find some free software and make stuff of their own. Um, and I think Gone Home started as like an indie game, but it's all about exploring this big house and piecing together a story from looking through closets and finding hidden cabinets and looking yeah. under the stairs, things like that. And that's Edith Finch too. Edith Finch. What remains of Edith Finch is very Silent Hilly to yeah. me, very trippy. Um, yeah, I, I loved I it. Strongly recommend each of those things. Gone Home. Me too. I mean, I I really only play Animal Crossing. I <laughs> don't play a lot of video games. Yeah, and um, those are like I could understand how to play those, and they were very cool. Yeah. So um, in Silent Hill Four, um, some of the things that you can do in the apartment I found really interesting. They're not they're not required, but they I feel tell an interesting uh, perspective on being trapped inside you can choose to look out the window you don't have to it's not a requirement but if you look out the window you can see an apartment complex across the street and all i I just stared into all the windows because there are people living their lives in there it's like it's like rear window Mm -hmm. you know the old hitchcock movie and so you can look into this building across the street and there's a guy sitting on his couch just kind of like shaking his head looking frustrated there's a woman in her uh building just looking out the window and there's one other guy who's pacing frantically around his apartment in a very jittery, unnerving fashion. And I was staring at all of them, just sort of in, intrigued by how this game lets you sort of just become like a, an odd voyeur staring out your window, but you can't do anything. There's a button that lets you tap on the glass, like you're trying to get someone's attention, but nobody responds to it. And then I realized bit by bit, looking at these three people, the frustrated man, the woman looking out the window, and the jittery guy pacing around, maybe they're all trapped too. Maybe each ah. one of us is trapped in our own apartment, and even the cars driving by on the street, maybe they're empty. Maybe yeah. maybe the world is dead and everyone's trapped inside. And it started making me think of like games as artwork and and how they become what you want them to be, uh, just like a movie. It's about uh, about your interpretation more than anything. Mm-hmm. The story of Silent Hill Four: The Room is about how Henry Townsend is living in room three hundred two of the Ashfield apartment complex, which is the room where serial killer Walter Sullivan was born and abandoned that very same day. Um, He grew up, went insane, went to Silent Hill. It's mentioned that he learned occult dark magic from The Order, as you mentioned. Um, But I almost feel like that's such a simplistic mention of The Order that it doesn't get into all of the complicated, you know, God logic stuff. It's just, no, he's a serial killer and he knows evil stuff. Good. That's all we need to tie it to Silent Hill. Good enough. Um, and he has been doing his own ritual where he wants to kill 21 people uh, to to turn himself into a god or something like that. And okay. uh, he considers, since his parents um, uh, abandoned him right after his birth, he considers room 302 to be his mother. 
And oh. as you, the main character, keep crawling through all these tunnels and visiting other worlds, you visit some of Walter Sullivan's victims and you see them die and you see their ghosts come back and they haunt you. And uh, uh, like how in a Resident Evil game, the zombies would chase you. Um, the ghosts will chase you, except everything at Silent Hill is always so much trippier and more imaginative. Mm-hmm. They're floating off the ground and their toes are pointed straight down. You know, it's just like they're almost like yeah. passive in the air, except that they're gliding toward you at all times. Um, it does get convoluted. I won't lie. It turns out that um, you are the 21st victim and then you have to fight back against him. There is a baby form of this guy and an adult form of this guy for some reason. What? I don't know. Your landlord has been keeping his umbilical cord all these years. He is the one that found the baby in the first place. Um, your landlord also says at one point the umbilical cord has started to smell in the last few days. I don't know why. And it's because this ritual is because it's been around for 21 years. (laughs) Maybe that's why. Yeah. Mystery solved. Yeah. Um, But the really more than anything, it's the mood. It's the mood of this game that I find the most compelling. And it's the last one made by team silent. Uh, They tried something weird. And I think anytime they tried something weird, largely they hit a bunch of home runs. Nevertheless, Mm -hmm. Konami saw the, um, the potential windfall, uh, of this franchise and started farming it out to other developers. And that's how we got some of the other games. It's also around this time that we got the Silent Hill movie, 2006, directed by Christoph Gans. It is a an adaptation of the original Silent Hill, as you explained. Um, I watched it, and boy, did I have a hard time with it. Um, both Silent Hill movies are very long. Um, they Both of them have the worst sound I've heard in a movie in some time. I... Almost every single line in Silent Hill 1, the movie, feels like it's 80 yard. I don't believe that the I audio... I find that so distracting. Every line. Every single line. As if they did not have a recording running at the time. I know a lot of audio is replaced for a lot of yeah. movies, but at least they do like a match to an environment. It's, it was yeah. distracting in the extreme. I got a real ear for 80 yard. It sticks out to me like crazy yeah yeah same here um but one of the other odd traits i noticed in the resident evil or uh, not resident evil silent hill movies is that i think that they're not only adapting silent hill but they're copying hellraiser Uh, a lot of the time you mentioned something like that a lot of characters that have blades sticking out of part of their faces like pinhead um a lot of like silent hill the games have a lot of really distorted human monsters in them but they never really look like they're like leather clad dominatrix bondage gear people Mm -hmm. and yet in the movies that's like what they all are a lot of leather a lot of leather well it's the scariest fabric will i guess so they they both movies are obsessed with proving that they're a scary movie Mm -hmm. it's like the butt rock phase of horror from the the early 2000s you know where it's just like yeah smashing industrial music that yeah. has no character of its own and just eesh. someone gets one of the only things I know about the Silent Hill movies is that somebody gets like husked husked yes 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 um, yeah. pyramid head uh, the red uh-huh. pyramid is a, one of the icons of the franchise he's in Silent Hill 2 yes he's, he's in the games yeah yeah uh-huh. big hulking guy with a like a butcher's apron and this pyramid metal thing on it. Everything in the games are covered in rust and they're all Mm -hmm. red and whatever. So he's supposed to be James's embodiment of punishment. James in Silent Hill 2 feels compelled to punish himself for killing his own wife. And so he's manifested 
Pyramid Head as the ultimate punisher. And Pyramid Head in Silent Hill 2 will kill the other monsters even. It's just, oh. it, it lives to punish. And so because it's the icon, they put it in everything, including Silent Hill the movie where it grabs a woman's skin and rips it off her in one move. Which is yeah. kind, kind of kind of interesting. They yeah. also they also feel very Unique. much like they're copying from Saw these movies mm-hmm. and some of the. I think movies. a lot of movies at that time were copying Saw, yeah. so that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, there is uh, Silent Hill Origins is the next game to come out, um, and this is where I started picking up on a trend of every odd numbered entry being about the cult story because this one is a prequel. This one takes place before Silent Hill 1. You are a truck driver named Travis Grady who crashes just outside of Silent Hill and shows up just in time uh, to see Alessa burning in the fire and he becomes embroiled with the cult and it leads up to the events of the original baby Cheryl being created for the original games events to kick off. It's Mm -hmm. exactly the same research problem you had. I've I read the plot of this like a million times. I watched a few playthroughs. I watched a fantastic series of video essays done by Avalanche Reviews online um, about all of these games. Um, check out the link in the notes. I, I love I love video game um, video essays online that summarize the entire story and things like that. Me too. I loved, I keep talking about it. I loved this leaderboard, um, this yeah. video. It was so good. Super helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that's Silent Hill Origins. Then there's Silent Hill Homecoming. This is, to me, the the most conventional story you could have. Um, Alex Shepard is a soldier. He's come to Silent Hill. He's sorting through his own mental baggage. It becomes embodied by the town. We are definitely in now the pattern of, like, the franchise now. Silent Hill is a town that brings your psyche to life for you to confront your deepest, darkest fears. Um, Yeah, so now there's, like, a a kind of plot to what's happening or like or yes. a, an explanation for what this is i would say that that is a better plot than the cult, cult bringing back agree. the god thing my problem at this point is that when that's the only trick you have we all know how it's done yeah, what's gonna and we happen can all anticipate the ending oh True. we're seeing this guy's better psyche. story though it's a better story but you can't keep doing it over and over and over i bet it's probably why the franchise fatigued Especially when it's a video game, because yeah. you're literally doing it. So you're then it kind of takes it. away some of the the mystery and what am I working for here? Yes, and it takes twenty hours every time you start one because yeah. video games are long. So when mm-hmm. you're when you're you know hearing a joke that you've heard a million times before, except it's being told very very long, right? You just start to get sleepy. Yeah. Here's where they breathed some fresh life. Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Did you come across this one at all? I don't think so. I straight up think you would play this one. Um, this is a reimagining. Is it insanely easy? Yes. Um, oh. And it's a reimagining of the original Silent Hill game, and it has nothing to do with cults or anything like that. It is a psychological tale, but it's not the same like, oh, Stranger from Outside Silent Hill comes in and their their dark side comes to life. The game opens with you in first person, point of view style, on a, on a therapist's couch, and he's asking you questions. It seems like I've played that game before. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, let's play again. And the way that you answer the questions tailors the game to you. Oh, you know, I love that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's like the Walking Dead games. Yes, exactly. So there's even a moment where they ask you to color in a, uh, a house. And depending on what you color the house, that's the color of the house that the main character will encounter later. So the, the game becomes what you tell it to be. And so it plays with your psyche. They, they give a warning at the start of this game that while you're playing the game, the game is playing you, which is a little 
a little it's on the fun, nose, whatever. but it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Um, here's the thing. As a reimagining of the first game, it remixes all of the elements that you talked about and makes them so much more palatable. Harry Mason has driven to Silent Hill. He crashes his car. He wakes up. His daughter is missing. He goes around all these places. He meets the same people that you mentioned. He meets Dahlia. He meets a nurse named Lisa, whatever. He meets that doctor. But it's not about cults. It's about how no matter where he looks, people are like, who went missing? It's like my daughter, Cheryl. They go, how old is Cheryl? And he goes, seven. And then a cop at a certain point will go, oh, is this your seven-year-old daughter, Cheryl? And holds out on her smartphone now, because it's updated, a picture of like a teenager who's been arrested. And he's like, no, 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 that's not rich. It's just a kid. And so it throws everything you thought you knew out the window and periodically, uh, once you're done with a chapter, bam, snap back into first person mode and you're back with the therapist again who has got more questions for you. It remixes and I think it's the it's something that nobody really does. Like even in movies, when you remake something, you tend to remake it relatively faithfully-ish. Yeah. Um, it takes the elements of Silent Hill 1 and changes them so broadly that it will mm-hmm. keep you guessing even if you knew you knew the plot. Um, Silent Hill, Shattered Memories, I remember coming out at the time. Um, they even changed the iconography of the series. I already told you that usually Silent Hill is covered in rust. It's all machinery. They make this game uh, take place in a, in a far more frozen environment. And characters literally turn into ice and turn blue. It's a different color. You know, I, I know that uh, sounds like a silly thing to point out, but when the no, only that, iconography I mean, you have in the series is that it's red and covered in rust and inside yeah, an industrial, being outside in the frigid blue terrain, it's like a uh, what a fundamental shift in the approach. Um, Definitely. And the, the whole game seems to be. I gather that it did not do well because they didn't continue down this path. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, they made a game called Silent Hill Downpour where you play as a guy who's an escaped Rain. convict who shows up in Silent Hill and confront, confronts his past. Okay, you know, like so it's they just the kind of go back to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go back to that well a million times. You know, like yeah, you can just cool. throw with just out, a different person who's confronting their past. Mm-hmm, throw out a different profession. Uh, this time it's a uh, This time it's a doctor. A doctor who is visiting a patient in Silent Hill and the patient's not there. And you find out that the doctor, the doctor's confronting the fact that he was a bad doctor. Like, you just keep doing that. You can yeah, just always have seems, new people. It seems like it's just an excuse to get them there and fight different weird monsters. Yes, a thousand percent, which is fine. But yeah. when, it's, when, it, when everything has to be structured that way, it just gets stale. Mm-hmm. So the franchise died, went yeah. away. Uh, uh, except there was a glimmer of hope. And this is, this is the big one for me. In 2014, at a video game conference, Gamescom, a previously unheard of game developer called 7780 uh, was announced as having created a game called PT. And it's out now on the PlayStation Store. And you can download it for free to give it a try. It's called a playable teaser, PT. And the game opens with you waking up on the floor of a room, walking. We should say, Will, it's not available now, though, right? Oh, no, 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 like, no, 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 it was right. Just so people understand, Will's saying that's what they said back in the day. I don't want people to get excited and go looking for Fair it. Fair enough. Yeah, you can't get it. Right. Um, this is what happened in 2014. In 2020, it's gone, decommissioned. Yeah. The only way to play it is if you already have it. And I do. Uh, so you wake up on the floor. You go through a door that leads into a hallway. You go to the end of the hall, 
turn right. It leads to the, the front of a house and another door. You walk through it, and it takes you right back where you started at the beginning. You walk down the hall, turn right, go through the door. You're back where you started. It's an endless loop. Um, it never stops. Um, and so what happened in this game is that there's a series of puzzles that nobody could truly uh, solve on their own. Um, it turned out, spoiler alert, the reason I'm talking about it is that it was a playable teaser for what would have been the next Silent Hill game being co-produced by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, being directed by Hideo Kojima, who uh, many of our listeners may not know, but is like a legendary game developer, um, uh, with uh, some work by uh, Junji Ito, a legendary Japanese horror uh, manga artist who we've talked about here before, is responsible for some of the most like creepy and disarmingly weird horror imagery of all time. And the game would have starred Norman Reedus of The Walking Dead. So a tremendous... Uh, to use a term uh, uh, about uh, uh, creating things, pedigree, like uh, just an incredible list of people to be involved in something like this. The ninth Silent Hill game, who cares? We're all tired, except they really did breathe new life into it. They made it amazingly complicated to solve the puzzles in the game and the environment that they built is to me Perfect. I think it's my favorite horror game, movie, anything. It is my favorite horror release of all time. Um, so one of the the like signature things of PT is that as you first walk into that hallway, there's a radio playing, and it's it sounds like it's just sort of setting the the environment right. You're in a house, and the radio maybe is telling you something about the world, but then the radio starts telling a story about a recent uh, uh, murder. We regret to report the murder of the wife of the wife and her two children by their husband and father. The father purchased the rifle used in the crime at his local gun store two days earlier. Um, the, this, this news report that's happening is perfectly in the style of any news report. It's telling you a story that is um, horrible. But it's a news reporter reporting the news until you walk through enough loops and then the broadcast starts getting interrupted by other voices. So he may say things like um, uh, the, the, the neighbors called 911 and found the father in his car listening to the radio. And then an interruption will happen and go, don't touch that dial now. We're just getting started. Or look behind you. I said look behind you. And because you're playing as a character that can look behind right. you, you feel compelled not to look behind you and keep walking forward. Just follow the loop. There's no getting out, but just follow the loop. Whatever you do, don't look behind you. You can find fragments of a ripped up photograph, and every time you pick it up, a blurb of text will briefly flash on the screen. These flashes of text are written in Portuguese, Italian, Japanese, English, German. Um, it requires you to... Like, pause the game, write down what you saw, look it up and translate it, or just join forums and see if other people have already translated it. There's an entire portion of the game where the radio is talking and it's speaking in Swedish. I don't speak Swedish. <laughs> the game required community. And it, it, it required multiple playthroughs. Still to this day... This came out, what did I say, six years ago. There's still not a general consensus on exactly how you beat it. People have beaten it 
I've beaten it like five times, but I would yeah. not swear that what I've done was the right way. You have to speak into a microphone and say a, a name, people say. Except I streamed it the other day and Ali sang a song and it worked flawlessly twice. So did we uncover how you do it? No one knows. No one knows how this game even works. Well, how could, I guess I'm confused. If you beat it, then you did it right. If you, well, but here's the thing. What's known is that to beat the game, you need to trigger the laughter of a baby three times. Sounds ridiculous. It is ridiculous. The first way that you trigger the laugh is the clock strikes 12. You walk 10 paces and stop. A baby will laugh. Then you just wander around going, uh, what was the general consensus online is that you have to say a J name. There are some hints in some of these translated bits of text that I was talking about that people shared online that uh, maybe a person named Jack or Jarek, uh, or some odd name with a J factors into this somehow, somewhere. And so you'll watch playthroughs of people online and I do it here at home. Just walk around in the game going, Jerry, hi, Jack, Jarek. You listening? Like just anything with a J so that the speech recognition, I guess, will trigger the next baby laugh. But right. you'll stand there and you'll really cycle through about a million J sounds and then just one of them will work. I, I'm i not sure why. Like it's not how systems don't work randomly, you know? Like there is a cause and effect here, but I can't tell what I did that That's triggered this. It's so odd. It yeah. is one of the strangest things of all time. The environment of this game is unbelievable there's a ghost in the game who is like a toweringly tall woman in a nightgown one of her eyes is is blown out um she can it seems possess you at times because as you're walking you hear the sounds of your footsteps walking down this hallway sometimes there's what sounds like a third footstep in the way that you're walking is that because she's right behind you is she in you um writing will appear on the walls the more loops you go through where all of a sudden the door at the end of the loop right above it, will say, forgive me, Lisa, there's a monster inside me. And you couple that with the radio broadcast about the dad that killed his wife and child. Is that the story that's being told? Are we the dad? Are we the child? No one knows. And we'll never know because very famously one year later after the playable teaser was released and it ended with a a, a tease that it was going to be for a game called silent Hills, meaning multiple silent Hills. What does that mean? Uh Konami canceled the game. They canceled the game. They fired Hideo Kojima and they gave him to the end of the year to finish one other thing that he'd been working on for him for them. And during that year, they sequestered his office far away from everybody else. And because of his contract refused to let him make public appearances or talk to anybody. It just went away. It just was gone. And they removed the game from the PlayStation store. You cannot download a new copy of it. I only have it because I had actually started to understand the reputation this would have and ran out and bought a PlayStation 4 for this game. And I don't regret it to this day. I've got this game <laughs> saved on two hard drives. It's my favorite thing of all time. I will yeah. never lose this game. I um, did not know this was your favorite horror property of all time. I had no idea. I think it is. I think it is. It's so... It's so odd and incomprehensible. There's still things that can happen in the game that I personally have not seen. You can you can catch the ghost looking at you through one of the windows. I've seen people post that online. I've never seen that. Yeah. 
in any of the playthroughs Maybe it knows that, that you can't handle it. Maybe. In real life. I am, like I'm pretty convinced, and a lot of people are, that there are a lot of things left in the game that no one has triggered yet. That's very cool. Yeah, which I, I think is, like, the, the goal of, of any uh, game, to me. I think that there should always be... I think that they should be alive, and I think that they should be, uh, there should be things about media that are indecipherable or, or parts of experiences that less than 1% of people will ever uncover. I, I think that that is something that, that, that keeps stories um, feeling essential and worth revisiting and keeps them changing the more that you look at them. You know, like, that's one of the reasons, as silly as it is to say, it's one of the reasons that I love Scream is that every time I watch the movie, I feel like I pick up on a new reference or in yeah. filling through, filling out my horror history of watching new horror movies and things or not new horror movies, but like horror movies uh, that have been out for decades that I just haven't seen. When I see them, suddenly it opens my eyes and I pick up references to it all over right. the place. to that movie and other places that you didn't even realize were, met, were references. Exactly. Um, that is what Silent Hill the, the PT, the playable teaser has going for it. And it's so different from the, the silent Hill games that we've been talking about for the bulk of this show, but between PT, this playable teaser and silent Hill two, which is its own standalone psychological experience. To me that those two things are what silent Hill is. Yeah. Um, and even though the movies are a hard watch, even though the, the, the bulk of the games, the true story of the games of this cult and all those things, arguably that's what the games are about, but sort of not to me, you know, like my interpretation of it is that Silent Hill is so much trippier. Um, the last thing that I'm going to say to you is not even about Silent Hill. Um, on the day that I started playing Silent Hill two, I decided to fire up a movie called Carnival of Souls. It is a 1962 movie uh, made by a filmmaker named Herc Harvey. And it concerns a group of young women who are all joyriding in a car uh, and end up going off the side of a bridge and sinking to the bottom of a river. Most of them die, but one of them doesn't. She makes it out. She goes to the town where there's this carnival and she's sort of obsessed by the carnival and she's trying to figure out what's going on. She's having like all of these like visions and nightmares. Periodically, she will um, just find that people can't see her or hear her. And so she runs around trying to get anybody's attention that nobody's paying attention to her at all. And she's plagued by this man who's following her. The man is played by the director, Herc Harvey. Uh, the character is just called the man. This entire film is in black and white. He's got these black circles around his eyes and he seems it's very to very cool looking. I very. haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the trailer for it. We talked about it a while ago. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool looking. Yes. Literally. It is a movie that, um, it inspired evidently, uh, George Romero to make night of the living dead and having seen night of the living dead, uh, long before carnival of souls, you watch carnival of souls and you feel like, Oh my God, like this is like a, yeah. a, a, a sibling piece to Night of the Living Dead. Um, you definitely see it even just visually. Yeah, the, the movie ends with the, the main character going to the carnival, the carnival of souls, where there are other people similar to the man dancing with each other with dark circles under their eyes. One of them is the woman herself. She's watching as a form of herself is dancing with the man. And then we realize she didn't survive. She didn't survive that crash into the water. And it's sort of a classic story. It's a very familiar story. I think we're all familiar with the 
so and so was dead the whole time trope of storytelling. This is one of the earliest in film. Um, and it to me is dripping with the same atmosphere and purpose that Silent Hill 2 is mm-hmm. and uh, which elevates it. I think that it became too tropey the idea of like, oh, this is all just part of, you know, it's all it was all in the person's head the whole time. That is a, a concept that people yawn at for some reason. But to me, particularly looking at Carnival of Souls, which I think Silent Hill owes a huge debt of inspiration to, it's like the almost like the purest, most important form of storytelling to to really show what it feels like to be inside of a person's head. Like, how many times have you tried to express yourself and realize that you don't quite have the words for it? That is sort of what Silent Hill excels at. And uh, I watched uh, the day that I started playing Silent Hill and I watched Carnival of Souls was like one of the most like bizarrely revelatory days I've had in recent memory of like, oh, my God, all the things I'm experiencing are telling something that is an innate truth about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uh, so hard to capture, which I think is why so many movies and games and honestly, many of the Silent Hill games even try to capture it and fail. So when you fail at it, you fail hard. But if you yeah. can like tell the true story about like insanity and like somebody's, you know, inner workings, it, that lands so much harder than anything else. Yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's so- really cool. That's it. That's such weird happenstance that you turned on that movie. You know, I was, I, I certainly had seen, I think sitting down to watch it, I think I, I realized that I had not seen all of it before, or I was aware of some of its reputation. Like there's, there's a whole like movement of sort of industrial filmmakers, like George Romero made like a lot of like commercial work, not like movies, but like literally like making films for like a company that hired him to, to just make like a, a, a film for some a bad example, but like some like like an elevator manufacturer, like dull industrial stuff. But yeah, there you go. I, I strongly recommend uh, uh, Silent Hill 2 and PT. At least look them up online. And maybe Shattered Memories, that one that uh, the therapist asks you questions and it affects the game. I think that that stuff is, is very, very fun. I'm hearing rumors that there's a, uh, I guess on December 10th, there's another, there's like a game award show. And there are rumors that Konami might revive Silent Hill. But to me, they sort of blew it by not letting like Junji Ito, Guillermo del Toro, Norman Reedus and Hideo Kojima, like four incredibly interesting people to be working on that game by not letting them make that. It's like, ah, how can anything live up ever again? Yeah, um, right. I mean, but there are a lot of other really cool people out there. So I know. know. It's true. I, I would be very it eager. necessarily sailed. Yes. And I, for sure, like, uh, many people have taken inspiration from Silent Hill now. There's, like, a new game out called Visage that I played the other day that um, basically got kickstarted off of being like, hey, we're going to try to make PT. We're going to basically do our own fan version of PT because it got canceled. So kickstart us and we'll make a full length game that feels like PT. Um, yeah. Resident Evil, oddly, uh, they saw how successful that playable teaser was and incorporated a lot of the lessons from it into Resident Evil 7. So like the reverberations of Silent Hill are still echoing out. Um, mm-hmm. But the franchise itself, I think, is like very, very messy. It's It's very, very 
messy and muddled and loaded with things that are, are maybe not that great, but there are two pure diamonds in it. You know, like there right. are at least two like perfect, perfect uh, horror stories, releases, whatever, games, who cares within it. And that yeah. sort of legitimizes the whole thing to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this journey through Silent Hill with us. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you go to DebbieDrawsFunny.com and use that 20% off code GTTUPod. Thank you so much again, Debbie, for listening, for advertising with us. And if you have a small business that you're interested in having us advertise, please email GTTUPod at gmail.com. We're happy to work with you. Yeah, and you know what? Big businesses... Yeah, big business too. Big business too, sure. You no, know, huge businesses. I, I hear a lot about, um, oh man, what's good? Big Tobacco. I see a lot of commercials about them. I don't know if that's a company name. Hit, yeah. <laughs> hit us up. I don't know. <laughs> How weird would that be? I've never seen anyone big advertise. Big Pharma? Yeah, I've never seen anyone advertise for Big Tobacco or Big Pharma. Maybe we could be the first. <laughs> I'm open for business. Call me Big Pharma. <laughs> Call us, please. <laughs> please. Um, Novartis, get us on the horn. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, make sure that you check out gttupod.com for all things Guide to the Unknown, like our Patreon, patreon.com slash gttupod, where you can get access to a bunch of bonus shows for signing up on the Netherworld Warrior level. That starts at $4 a month. Um, we've got videos back there. We've got exclusive shows. We've got commentary tracks for movies. Um, talk about a, a living, breathing place that echoes your fears. Uh, cool. b- become a Netherworld Warrior. Fight back the darkness with us or embrace it. whichever you want you evil embracer Um, you can also follow at GTTU pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date with what we are doing Um, you'll get notifications about about new episodes of the show Um, you're going to get questions you're going to get things that let you interact with other people who listen to or watch this show speaking of which go to facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU pod and you can join the uh, the secret society we've got there where you can chat with us, chat with other people. There's a Discord on our Patreon as well. We've got a lot of avenues so that you can get to know other people that listen to Guide to the Unknown. Uh, There's and a you... gift exchange going on on the Discord. Oh, yeah? Very cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, and uh, you can even reach out to us. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. And I'm at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us in the fog soaked <laughs> land of Silent Hill <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about another cursed colony but until that time comes we must travel back to the netherworld the week. we out good chunk we are out when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.